next guest as we jump out to the phone lines, getting ready for his big matchup between the Miners and the Texas Longhorns. With us right now is Craig Way, longtime voice of Texas football. You also hear him on Westwood One's coverage, which we air uh, right here on uh, 600 ESPN El Paso. And Craig, welcome back. Good to have you on the show. And man, oh man, I'm, I'm wondering uh, what you've been like uh, during 2020. I asked that to almost all my guests that we have on the show, but uh, what's, uh, what's it been like for you? I think the words caged animal would apply, Steve, probably. I don't, no, it's been, it's been <laughs> a different world. There's, there's no doubt about it. And I, and I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's been strange to, to have it all shut down in March. I was in Kansas City getting ready to do the Big 12 basketball tournament. In fact, the Longhorns were on the floor going through warm-ups at 1045 that morning, getting ready to face Texas Tech in a, in a uh, uh, quarterfinal game. And then all of a sudden I saw the players coming off the floor, and the opera, director of basketball operations looked over at me and gave me kind of a throat slash. And I was like, done? And he's like, Done. And, and we knew there was a, a real good shot of it happening. When I went in to record the pregame interview with Shaka Smart that day, Shaka said, yeah, let's go ahead and do this. He says, but I have a feeling we're not playing. And I was like, really? And I said, have you heard anything for sure? And he said, well, I, I just, I'm just a feeling I've got based on some of the rumblings. And sure enough, that had happened. You mentioned Westwood One. The last play-by-play game that I had done was March the 9th. And it was the Southern Conference Tournament Championship in Asheville, North Carolina, uh, for Westwood One. So that's the last play-by-play event I've done. So uh, it's been uh, it'll have been a little over six months uh, when I get into the booth on Saturday evening for Texas against UTEP. So it it's uh, it's something I'm looking forward to getting back to doing. I'm pretty sure we aired that game on the ninth. So you're right. That's it's it's crazy to think that you know we're talking six months now, but that's the reality of the situation. Look, I, I thought there was no chance college football's playing, and the fact they're able to get this going, and now obviously you know UTEP's got a 12 game schedule. The Longhorns have their conference plus one, which will be this game. Um, you know we don't know what's going to happen in the next two to three months, and if they're going to finish. But the fact that they're able to start and get this thing off, it's pretty remarkable when you consider the summer we've had. Yeah, I, I think so. And when you see uh, several of the other programs fighting through some of the issues that they're having to do with uh, TCU, having to you know call off their matchup with SMU uh, as they deal with some COVID cases, Oklahoma State was supposed to play Tulsa this Saturday. That's not going to happen because Tulsa is still battling the issues. And then, of course, we know about the well-publicized and often discussed opt-outs of the Big Ten and the Pac-12. And so it's it's brought about that great deal of conversation. And you're right. I don't I don't know that we knew for sure if it was even going to happen. Same thing with the high school level. And I know it's been so difficult out there in the El Paso area for the high schools and in other parts of the state as well. The lower classifications are playing in a lot of the state. And I'm still, you know, we started doing the, the television show again uh, for Fox on Friday nights, but it just doesn't seem the same yet anyway without 5As and 6A. So it's 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 been strange. It's been very very weird, and like I said, it, it's almost like you have a a believe it when I actually see it with my own eyes when when the two teams line up to kick off on Saturday night at uh, DKR Texas Memorial Stadium. And what are we looking at? About twenty five thousand fans for this matchup? Pretty much right around there. They're going to go with a twenty five percent 
attendance figure, and uh, and of course the stadium seats like right at a hundred thousand, so it uh, it should be right at about twenty five. And I think you'll you'll see twenty five thousand in the stands. There are a lot of people that were very very uh, interested and in wanting to go, but obviously with all the protocols that are going to go on the play, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that that don't make it uh, to the game, and and will be socially distanced and. Uh, they're required to wear masks, and uh, the the things that will happen in the press box. We're kind of we've been told that we're going to kind of be hermetically sealed, so to speak, when we go into the press box itself. There won't be an in and out that they're allowing the reporters to do. There'll be uh, a much smaller amount of media that will actually be in the working press box, and even in my own uh, broadcast booth, uh, we've got a plexiglass divider up between. Uh, my analyst, Roger Wallace, and myself, it's much like what you're seeing in the NBA in, in the bubble where they have the dividers in between the, the broadcasters. It's a situation like that. Um, they've, they, you know, there will be no band on the field, and there will be no uh, cheerleaders or palm squad, anything like that. Uh, our sideline reporter, Quan Cosby, will be down there, but he'll be closer toward the goal line as they keep uh, folks distanced away uh, from, from the team areas. So it's, it's, it's definitely going to require adjustment on all of our parts. But you know what? I, I think everybody is so eager and, and hopeful and anxious to get football back that it's like, okay, tell me tell me what are the what are the protocols, what are the parameters, what do I need to do, and boom, let me go and do those and I'll be ready to go back to work. That kind of thing. Craig Way is the voice of the Texas Longhorns. He joins us here live on Sports Talk as we continue on the show. How difficult is it for you to get a gauge of what to expect this season, knowing you get one tune-up, which will be Saturday with the Miners, and you jump right in the Big 12 action, and you know you know who's back, and offensively they've got big-time leaders and Ellinger and Ingram and Eagles, and uh, they've got you know good good defensive players back as well. But is it difficult knowing that um, based on, you know, not having the the proper time to really put all the work in like you're used to to try to get the kind of results you hope? And not only that, stay healthy, Craig, because, you know, when you're not able to condition maybe on facilities like Texas and you come in late and then you only get a couple of weeks to, to really work out, you always wonder about how that conditioning is going to take effect. I don't think there's any question about that, and that's going to be uh, the unknowns until we actually see them on the field and how they're doing. Uh, for his part, uh, Tom Herman, the head coach yesterday in his news conference, said that everybody is in uh, really pretty good uh, physical shape. They only had three guys that were really kind of banged up and that have been injured. Two of those guys are uh, listed as doubtful that would play uh, freshmen, and then uh, Delia Dayaway, uh, a guy who was going to compete for the starting middle linebacker job, has been cleared to practice but just started practicing again this week. So uh, he may only be in the rotation at best. So, But that's it in terms of the, the, the physical. Most everybody else is really in good health. They haven't had a, a positive COVID case in over a month. Knock on wood about that. And, and they've kind of in, been in their own bubble as well. So It'll be interesting to see, and you're right. They do have playmaker. Sam Ellinger leads the leads the offense. He's back for his senior year, and uh, they, they will expect to see three guys really share the load in the backfield. Keontae Ingram, you mentioned, he'll be the starter Saturday night, but Roshan Johnson, the sophomore, and this outstanding freshman from Tucson, Arizona, B. John Robinson, also expected to contribute. And 
You mentioned uh, Brennan Eagles, and he's a guy that they do expect a lot of, but but uh, he actually got beat out for the starting job by the grad transfer from Michigan, Tariq Black. And it'll be interesting to watch how those guys uh, contribute as well on the offensive side. And then on the defensive side, I think they'll be strong in the secondary and strong on the defensive front as well. Uh, we'll see how it all develops at the linebacker spot. But, uh, yeah, it, it, until we actually see them on the field and see them going through it, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to get a gauge on just how good they might be. We think they might be good enough to – to be a real contender in the Big 12 Conference this year. And until you see it on the field, you just don't know for sure. You've seen great quarterbacks over the years were in those uh, Texas jerseys. Where do you put Ellinger amongst uh, the best that you've been around? Uh, I would say, Sam, probably right now, if I, since, uh, since, since I've been on the broadcast in the early 90s, uh, he has a chance to move into the top three if he has a – uh, a really good senior year. Uh, you know, right now, I think Vince Young, obviously, is going to be at the top of the list based on everything he did and leading them to a national championship. Colt McCoy uh, captured all kinds of national honors, uh, got Texas to a national championship before he was injured, as we all know, early in that game against Alabama and won all kinds of awards. Probably should have won the Heisman in 2008. Uh, he did an incredible job. And, of course, Major Applewhite had an outstanding career in the late 90s to early 2000s at Texas. And even Chris Sims, for, for all of the criticism and all of the speculation around him, uh, you look, go back and look at his numbers. He posted some monster numbers. However, I do think Sam is in position to move past uh, certainly Chris and, and Major in terms of being among the greatest of all time if he can complete the road, which would include winning a conference championship. And, that's, and, and it's not all on his shoulders, and there's a lot – of others who have to contribute to make that happen, uh, I, I feel pretty confident that he'll do his part. Uh, Tom Herman was asked yesterday what he feels, the things that he feels most comfortable about, and and the, the first thing he mentioned was the quarterback position. And and with Sam being there as a leader and a producer, you have to think he could be one of the best of all time to play at Texas. Uh, you know, and you just mentioned the, the the guys that I saw or that that I've had to see over the past. 30 years, you know, obviously people will put in their own arguments for James Street and Bobby Lane and the other great, great quarterbacks in Texas. I was just talking about over the past 30 years, but he has a chance to, to move up in that club if he has a great senior year and if the Longhorns play well. Hey, Peter Gardier was there when I was at school at Texas, and I'll tell you this much, he beat Oklahoma every year, and not every quarterback can, uh, can, can make that claim uh, during their years uh, with the Horns. He's the only, the only guy to go 4-0 <laughs> against OU, so they always they will always tip their cap to uh, to uh, Peter the Great for for that great run he had eighty nine through ninety two when he when he won the when he was won all four games at quarterback uh, against Oklahoma for Texas. More with Craig Way as we continue on Sports Talk, but first let's get to Adrian. He's got a bottom of the hour Sports Center update.
All right, Adrian, thank you very much. Craig, way back with us here on Sports Talk as we talk to the voice of Texas Longhorns. I'm a little surprised about the news uh, with uh, Tariq Black beating out Brennan Eagles just because Black wasn't um, you know, a regular starter at Michigan. I think I saw he had like eight or nine starts during his years, but you know, everybody thought big, big things of Eagles, and maybe he still turns it around. Who knows? Is this Tom Herman's way of maybe motivating him, knowing that he doesn't automatically come in and just inherit a starting? job well that could be part of it i i think also uh the fact tariq uh had been bothered by some injuries obviously at michigan and i think that that limited his productivity uh one thing that tom has said about tariq since he's been uh on campus that he's come right in and and, and kind of become one of the one of the team leaders uh even as a newcomer guys have listened to him uh, as a veteran and uh, he's meshed really well with sam in terms of what they look for in the passing game, and, and by no means am I saying uh, Brendan Eagles is, is a forgotten guy and forget about him. He he will be in the rotation, just that Tariq was listed ahead of him on the depth chart. You know, if you talk to Tom about it, he'll say that chart thing is is something he said, we mainly do that just to because we get asked about it and uh, it's something to send out. He said, but we look at a lot of our guys and say they're going to play a lot anyway. He said the, the, the starting thing, yeah, you might have somebody – Somebody has to run out with the first group, and in, and in that case it is Tariq, and there's probably some reason behind it, and maybe there is some motivational element behind it. But I think both of them are expected to be able to contribute quite a bit this year. What's the excitement level regarding uh, Bijan Robinson, the uh, freshman running back? I, I think there's a lot of folks really amped up about him. You know, uh, uh, it, it's, it's interesting because Keontae Ingram comes off one of his best games as a longhorn in the bowl game against Utah in the Alamo Bowl. He did a tremendous job in a long touchdown run and had some other big plays in there as well. He had been bothered by injuries for a while. And he, uh, by by all reports, had a, had an outstanding fall camp. Uh, Roshan Johnson had that explosivity we saw at times as a true freshman last year, the converted quarterback. But it's kind of hard to say, you know, when he's like one of the top two running backs in the at the high school level in the nation and B. John Robinson, come in you're expecting him to jump in and apparently he's he's had like incredible attitude in team workouts with the team what do you need me to do whatever whatever you need of me uh, I'll, I'll jump in and do it and I think there's a similar feeling about that about Jordan Whittington the outstanding young man from Cuero who had the sports hernia injury last year and only appeared in the season opener and he's healthy and ready to go in a receiver spot so uh, there's there's a lot of excitement for some of these really young guys who are expected to be able to make some plays with the ball in their hand in space on the field. Man, oh man. Um, now, new defensive coordinator this year in Chris Ash, who was the former head coach at Rutgers. What have you noticed uh, about the kind of defense that he'll be playing this year at Texas? Well, they're going to they're go back to a more traditional 4-3 look. That's for sure. That uh, you know, Whereas what they had uh, been doing had been more of a 3-4 set, but this will be more of a traditional 4-3 alignment, but that uh, fourth position, that jack end, as they call it, where Joseph Osai is kind of moving from that outside linebacker spot, that will be someone who can line up on both sides, who can roam around a little bit, who can drop back some, but uh, he's going to be there to go after the quarterback. And then uh, on the other end, on the other side, Moro Ojimo was a sophomore. They had some moments last year. Inside to Quan Graham as a senior, they look at maybe this is his uh, year to, to be able to step up like some other inside interior linemen they've had, like Malcolm Roach, who just 
uh, you know, made the uh, New Orleans Saints roster, and that was a great story. And Keandre Coburn is a sophomore who will line up uh, in on the defensive front as well. They've got and they've got two freshmen, two true freshmen who have really made waves in camp, and they expect to be able to contribute. Vernon Broughton is a freshman from the Houston area, and Alfred Collins from just outside of uh, Austin at Cedar Creek High in the Bastrop area is another guy. Two guys who have really kind of made their mark, even as uh, guys who are very, very young in the program, but they're expecting a lot out of those guys. They've they've shown quite a lot uh, in the fall camp workouts. You know, I wonder, because you've got Texas Tech in two weeks, then TCU and OU, and then uh, Baylor. It's such a tough schedule right out of the gate for the Longhorns this year after UTEP. Do you think that with one non-conference game, we might end up seeing more from the starters than normally because you don't have three other non-conference games to play and try to work in the depth? Or do you think Tom Herman would like to try to get as many players in as possible uh, prior to Tech in a couple weeks? Well, there's a, there's a couple of schools of thought here. Uh, first and foremost, as you pointed out, you've, you've got to be able to see enough out of your starters and feel that they've gotten in enough work since it's their first game to do well. By the same token, obviously, it is a non-conference game. You do want to protect them a little bit, especially if, if, if the game is going your way. And then beyond that is that new ruling, or the ruling at least for this year by the NCAA, that it's kind of a season of immunity, if you will, that everybody will get the year back. It's not going to count as a year of eligibility. So you can just basically wind up and let anybody play as much as they want in the season. It's not going to count against them. You know, even even uh, the past couple of years where you had the four-game freshman rule, that was that was an improvement over what you had before. If you think about taking the red shirt off of somebody, you don't even have to worry about that this year. Right? You know, a player can play every single snap as a freshman, sophomore, junior, or senior, and then come back with the same amount of eligibility left for next year. So there's two schools of thought on that. I think they're going to obviously go ride with the starters for sure as long as uh, there's any doubt about the, the football game. If things go well for them, if they do get it in hand, then maybe you might see some of the younger guys in there. But right now the plan is, hey, we got to ride our horses and – and make sure they're, they put us in a position to win the game. Final question. I mean, how big of a season is this for Tom Herman? You know, he came in here, high, high hopes for a lot of fans, and it's not as if he hasn't been winning. He has. He's had, he's had a good start to Texas, but I know the way Longhorn fans and what they think, and, and you know, they've, they've got a very high bar for coaches to get to. So you tell me, what's the, the word around Austin right now in terms of just the fans and their, their overall thoughts on, on what they've seen from Tom Herman uh, over the last uh, few seasons? Well, I think fans are, are certainly anxious and want to see the step up. You know, if, if uh, you know, the first season they went 7-6, and six, and it was a winning record, and they won the bowl game, which was just that alone was a huge step up from what had happened, you know, over the time with Charlie Strong. They made one bowl appearance in three years, lost that one badly. His first season had losing records all three seasons, including the last year's when they didn't even advance to a bowl game. So year one... They go seven and six. They look good in the bowl game. They win the bowl game. It's okay. You build on that. If they had followed the seven and six and had gone what they did last year, eight and five, and then had the ten and four year uh, with the really impressive win over Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, which they did two years ago, if they had done that in, in a step ladder process, gone seven, six, eight, five, ten, four, 
I think fans would have been a, a bit more patient about it and, and a little less, uh, you might say, anxious. The mere fact that they went 10-4, and four, they beat Oklahoma in the regular season two years ago, got to the Big 12 championship game, and it was a fourth-quarter game against OU and Arlington in the rematch before they lost that game, and then went to the Sugar Bowl and looked really good in beating Georgia. That built the expectation up to such a level that when they did stumble and when they didn't perform well in several games and finished the regular season at 7-5, and five, there were a lot of people that weren't happy at all about that. Now, they followed it up by a very thorough performance in the Alamo Bowl. They beat a really good Utah team that was a Pac-12 championship win away from going to, uh, to, to the playoff, and they throttled them basically in the bowl game to finish 8-5. and five. But still for a lot of fans, you know, it's like we had so much more in terms of expectation. Having said all of that, nobody has larger expectations for this program than Tom Herman and, and his players. Uh, nobody was more disappointed when they didn't uh, do as well as they could have, if not should have done last year. So it, it's important for them in, in that regard. Um, if you're asking from the perspective of things like job security and stuff like that, I don't think there's anything in play there. If for no other reason, because of everything happened with the pandemic uh, and and the way that, uh, that you know finances have gotten a lot tighter. You know they had uh, salary cuts there. Uh, Coach Herman himself took a 15 percent uh, salary reduction. Uh, they had uh, uh, furloughs and layoffs at UT, like they had at a lot of other uh, places as well. So. I think the coaching staffs are intact for what they're going to do, but the expectation is clearly going to be there uh, for them, for their programs, in all sports to produce. And as I said earlier, if you visit with any of those coaches on campus, you're not going to find anybody who has greater expectations for what their own program should do than those guys, those men and women, uh, the head coaches of the programs at UT. Follow Craig on Twitter, at CraigWay1. That is at CraigWay1. You can also uh, check out uh, Craig whenever he's calling uh, Texas Longhorn uh, football and basketball games on the Longhorn Radio Network, which is something also that uh, we've been a part of over the years and always appreciated all the great uh, work that Craig and the team has had a chance to do. Uh, Are we ever going to see that LSU football game? Will that be made up, or is that pretty much uh, gone as a result of uh, COVID? Well, I... I, I think there's always hope for it but uh, if you look at the future schedules they might mm-hmm. not have another opening for another decade or close to oh. this way there's a couple of times where they might have an opening but they but they already have schools like Michigan or Ohio State or Alabama on the list and I don't think they want to load a second powerhouse like an LSU on to a schedule that already has Michigan in a given year or, or Ohio State or Alabama so perhaps the first uh, realistic opening for that return game might not be for until the end of this brand new decade starting, uh, you know, up until near the end of the 2020 somewhere. And, and I'm going to tell you this, Steve, nobody is more disappointed about it than, than yours truly. I was really looking forward to calling a game in Baton Rouge, but you know, it was not to be. So uh, I'm just happy to have a game to call on, on this Saturday night. We'll look forward to it. Craig, terrific stuff as always. Great catching up with you, and uh, thank you for all the insight uh, coming up for Saturday's big one. My pleasure as always. Good to be on with you. Craig Way joining us here on Sports Talk 46 Pass. We'll come back with plenty more after Stephanie Valle, ABC 7 News, plus Charlie One on 600 ESPN El Paso. Excited about our next guest joining us. 
He's a man who uh, has spent the last couple years in the booth for UTEP and ESPN+. Plus. He's a former minor quarterback. This year he's working with Eric Elkin. He was there Saturday night, and uh, he's with us on the program right now. Trevor Vitito joins us on the program. Trevor, welcome back to Sports Talk. How you been? I've been all right, Steve. I, I appreciate you guys having me on. How are you? Good, good. Hey, Trevor, when are you getting on Twitter? When am I getting on Twitter? I, I don't think that I'm that much into social media that I'm going to hop on the Twitter chain. But here's the thing. You're a former minor quarterback. You're a game analyst. And do you know how many UTEP fans would love to talk to you on Twitter uh, about the minors and about the team itself? And, I mean, otherwise, you know, they, they, they get us. And, and, and I don't want to take anything away from the next 20 minutes because it's going to be a great segment. But that's only 20 <laughs> minutes, Trevor. You could provide... Hours and hours of enjoyment for minor fans if you were able to get on Twitter and become, um, you know, somebody that would, would talk a little UTEP on social media. That is very true. That's something that I definitely need to consider. As of right now, I just don't have it. So we'll see in oh, the future good. as we move forward. Have you ever been on or never? I've never had a Twitter account. That I've is I've been pretty, pretty self-sufficient using Facebook, and that's about all the, the social media that I need. Would you like it if one of our listeners puts a fake Trevor Vitito account together and they tweet what they think you would say? I think that would be interesting to see what people might think would be going through my mind. <laughs> I have plenty of listeners who have um, the kind of minds that would, would do that in a heartbeat. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was a fake Trevor Vitito account by the end of this segment. So we will see what happens. But that is good. Well, All right. I'll, be interested to see what, I'll be interested to see what happens myself. Now tell me this, as a former quarterback and somebody that went to battle many times over the years as a minor, uh, what was your biggest takeaway from their opening uh, week win against Stephen F. Austin? Um, I think overall, in looking at the way the game played out, I think that very early on uh, there was a lot of energy on the UTEP sideline, and once they fell behind, I think thoughts of, previous uh, experiences started spinning through their head and then um once we uh once we tied it up I, I like the fact that we faced the adversity head on i think the defense really clamped down the offense started firing on all cylinders and um you know the the big fumble recovery and, and return i think that totally changed the momentum of the game and the nice thing that i i, I uh, really enjoyed to see was the fact that once they got ahead they were able to keep the lead and, and keep the pressure on Stephen F. Austin and uh, finish that game off. You know, it's amazing. 21 straight after they fell behind 14-3, to and you're right. They forced turnovers, big plays. They also turned it over on a couple of occasions, and that was tough, too, because they left points on the board. There's no doubt about it. They, you know, they, they had the opportunity where they, um, they fumbled a snap, turned it over on downs, had an interception uh, that ultimately sent it back to Stephen F., and then um, another uh, turnover when they, were, when they were moving. So the Miners had their opportunities um, to to really pile it on, but they got it back. They they were able to force a few themselves, and that's something we just we didn't see that li- a lot of that last year on defense, did we? Well, not at all. I, I think in total, all of last season, I think we may have had ten turnovers all uh, all twelve games last year, and so to have the few that we had here in the first game was was really exciting. And I know that definitely gives the defense a boost, knowing that even though they're backed against the wall, like the time we had the interception down inside the end zone. Um, you know, they're really sticking it to them and, and not 
just folding over and giving in to the offense. And um, I really liked that once the defense was able to, to achieve what they uh, set out for on defense, the offense turned around and, and put together an 80-yard drive after that and put up another touchdown. What do you think of uh, Gavin Hardison's uh, first uh, start as a minor? Well, I would have to say um, I was actually very surprised. Um, you know, I had been out to spring practice a few times and just kind of getting a feel for the different guys that we had under center and who was battling it out to, to be the starter on game one. And uh, Gavin was one that I could tell that definitely has the arm to make all of the throws, and um, uh, he's confident. So it definitely came and showed during the game. He seemed very poised from the very jump of the game. Uh, he made a lot of clutch throws when he needed to. Um, there was a few that, um, you know, he uh, tossed out of bounds on deep deep shots, you know, downfield that I'd like to see him give his receiver an opportunity to catch in the ball. But for the most part, I was uh, very pleased with his gameplay and uh, his command of the offense. And I think just the one mishap in uh, the interception there, uh, I think it was in the third quarter, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, That's um, right. Aside from that, I, I was very pleased with, with, with the way that he played and the way that he uh, commanded the offense during the game. He was going down for a sack, tried to throw the ball into a receiver, and ultimately, as he was going down, you know, did, threw it to a, a defender, which was really the only mistake I, I saw. He had dropped passes. There was one that would have been a touchdown uh, that was dropped mm-hmm. in the end zone. And, and more than anything else, Trevor, I like – what I saw in terms of of uh, Garrett and Cowing and the rapport that those two had with uh, with Hardison uh, Saturday night. Well, I, you know, it seemed like they were on the same page from the very jump, and I know that um, all the extra work the guys can do uh, aside from practice definitely builds the confidence amongst each other uh, to really have an understanding in different situations and. Uh, where defenders could be in playing coverage on a receiver, where they would like the ball placed. And, you know, every receiver runs routes a little bit differently, but uh, getting a comfortability amongst them, you could see that uh, definitely with J- Jacob Cowling, uh, that was his main target throughout the throughout the game. And I think for the most part, he almost had a chance to catch every one of the passes thrown his direction. So the accuracy is there, the velocity is there, and uh, I think his leadership seems to be there as well. Absolutely. Um, meanwhile, as the UTEP passing game was able to move the ball down the down the field, that was a that was a change from the last couple seasons. I mean, the passing game has struggled. They've had moments under Dana Dimmel, but this is a different type of quarterback with a different type of offense. And um, I really thought, Trevor, that when the running game struggled to move the ball, it was the passing game that not only was able to move the chains and create scoring drives, but Ultimately, it softened up that defense because they didn't. They, they weren't able to continue to sell out to stop the running game like they did early on. Well, I, I would definitely agree with that, and it, and it was a surprise to see that uh, we were able to push the ball down the field. Like you said, the last couple seasons, I feel like we were very conservative on offense and um, would only try and throw it down the field or, or you know passes of fifteen or more yards when we need fifteen or more yards. There's a lot of situations in the game on Saturday where, um, you know, we needed two or three yards and we take a shot up the field. And that's exciting when you see that, when you, um, you know, take the chance at taking a 20-yard takeoff shot down the sideline versus taking the easy underneath route and being able to complete it. It definitely shows the, the, um, the offensive coordinator, it doesn't matter what you call, we're able to, to – um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? We're able to um, run the play uh, and um, mm-hmm. <laughs> just went my mind. I can't, can't think of the word I was looking for, but um, complete the play, you know. And so um, the playbook being wide open, not having to necessarily be concerned about throwing it short, throwing it long, just leaving it wide open for him to make those decisions and being able to capitalize is exciting. All right, you 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 recovered nicely. It's okay. It's no. It's just you know. It's live radio. It's not that big a deal. You're all right. It's not like live. It's not like you're on ESPN Plus. You're you're doing fine. All right. We've got more coming up right now with Trevor Vitito, but we have hit the bottom of the hour. We'll get his thoughts on Deion Hankins next and what he expects from the redshirt freshman running back. Right after we say hello to Adrian in this middle of the show, bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Vitito played quarterback for the Miners from 2007 till 2010. Four big seasons in which he threw for 12,439 yards, 97 touchdowns, just 42 picks. Had uh, some unbelievable numbers, especially his first couple years with the Miners, and he's with us now. He's the game analyst for ESPN.com. We just got his thoughts on Gavin Hardison. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, what you saw from the former Parkland star, Deion Hankins? Well, uh, I was actually excited to see him. Uh, you know, coming into the game, I wasn't sure uh, with the three-headed monster we had in the backfield uh, who was going to get the majority of the touches or uh, which way the offense w- would try and go. But um, one thing that I like about college football now is the fact that I was able to see him in a few games last season uh, to see what he was going to be able to bring to the table and um, without losing the red shirt even in the few games that he did play. Uh, but coming back this year, he looks a lot more solid. Uh, you can tell that he's put on some some good football weight, that he's able to run behind his pads well. And um, he ha- has really good vision and for, for his body type. He's able to, you know, cut on a dime. He sees the field well. And um, I was surprised uh, with his uh, breakaway speed on the long one that he had uh, to be able to pull away. So uh, I think uh, we've got another good guy in the backfield, um, you know, not to bring up Aaron Jones, but – um, I think that he has the ability um, with a few years still ahead of him to, to build on and grow on and to have a great career. At the same time, they're different running backs. You know, Aaron Jones, I think, hit the hole so fast and was gone so quickly when he was able to make his cuts, and he's translated that into a terrific uh, start in his NFL career with the Packers. We looked at Hankins. Hankins is just a bruiser. He will go through you. And, I mean, the one thing you notice is that he'll take tacklers for a ride, and he's just got such a physical style of running the football. He He kind of in a way, reminds me of like a Marshawn Lynch because every time he ran through the middle, it's like he was seeking out a defender for contact. It's like he almost wasn't trying to avoid anybody. It's like a freight train running through the middle and trying to get everyone out of the way. And uh, it was pleasing to see that. You know, that's exciting football. And I think there was one run where he broke, not even broke three tackles, but ran straight over three guys before the entire defense got him down. So um, you're right to say that they have a different style of running. Um, but I think that he's going to still be able to build and grow and um, mature a lot to, based on what type of run scheme it is, whether it's a, you know, a, a dive run or if it's a counter. The, the way that he's going to be able to hit the hole, I think he's going to grow into a lot. When you look at Hankins and his skill set, and you look at Hardison and his skill set, Dana Dimmel has the type of players that 
he just hasn't had the first couple of years at his disposal as much as he has right now. And knowing how young they are and how they're going to grow into it for UTEP, I think minor fans um, have finally found a reason to be uh, more optimistic than they have these uh, last few years. I would definitely agree on that uh, 100%. Uh, The caliber of players that you can see on the field now is definitely a reflection of Coach Dimmel's hard work in the recruiting process of the last few years that he's been here. Um, I think that was one big thing for UTEP that definitely set us behind the curve as far as being able to um, improve as a program uh, was all in the recruiting. And that was one of the biggest focuses when uh, Coach Dimmel made it that uh, he was going to get here, he was going to find the guys that are going to fit his system well and be able to execute. And um, I think he's done a very good job and with Hankins and, and Hardison and the, the slew of receivers that he has on the outside. It's nice that you have multiple years that you're going to be able to, to grow on those. It's not a one, uh, you know, a one year shot at it with uh, having senior guys under center and, and all the, the weapons around him. You know, it's going to be exciting to be able to build off of. That's one thing when I think about my career, um, I think offensively we had, 19 or, or 20 offensive recruits my season and I think five or six of them were receivers and so we had five full years to be able to work and grow together and so I, I think it's going to make them a lot more lethal being able to have time to grow together no doubt and, and Trevor I know you touched on defense at the beginning when you mentioned them coming back and, and rallying and eventually you know taking the lead and, and not giving up any more points um, but there's a lot of new bodies on the defensive side of the ball, a lot of transfers. And, you know, from your experience, how long does it usually take when you're dealing with uh, junior college transfers to try to really get comfortable when they're immediately thrust into the lineup? Um, truthfully, I think it's a little easier defensively maybe than it is on offense. Offense is more of a, a gel and um, – uh, a more liquid system than what defense is. Defense, I, I feel like, is um, organized chaos. And I feel like guys on defense have that mentality that um, it's easier to play full speed on defense, run around hitting guys and, and rallying to the ball than it is to um, necessarily remember technique and everything offensively. Um, the, the talent that he has and uh, the different scheme that they're um, trying to run this year with uh, Coach Cox and the defensive, co- uh, defensive uh, coordinator, I think it really fits um, our personnel very well. Uh, I was surprised to see that we were able to get pressure on the quarterback just from our front line and not having to blitz. And it was also nice seeing that we had fairly well coverage uh, throughout the game uh, in the back end, and I liked the fact that they were able to make adjustments. I, I feel like in the beginning of the game, uh, the Lumberjacks, they just kept running a lot of wide receiver screens, and we weren't adjusting our defense to, to be able to take those away and be able to stop them um, for short gains. And I think as the game went on, the adjustments were made and guys were flying to the ball. And um, I can see that there's very much potential for them to have much better overall defensive numbers than what we've seen the past few years. Trevor, it's Adrian back here. Just wanted to touch on some of the depth uh, notes. We were talking about this in the previous segment with uh, Quadres Wadley being inactive this Saturday due to an injury that he's battling right now, although there are reports out there that he could be opting out of this season. With all these things going on right now, it doesn't matter the position group it is, uh, due to COVID-19 and due to injuries that happen in any given season, how important is depth this year for the minors moving forward? 
Um, I think it's important, regardless if it's this year, next year, or five years ago, um, being able to have someone that can fill into a position that's not a starter and not um, hamper the offense or defense or, or slow them down or be uh, a person that's in the way, I think, is very important. Um, it, it's unfortunate for him to, to potentially be sitting out and, and not be able to play, but I think overall um, just the, the team in, in full is excited that they're able to play, considering that there's plenty of other college football players, you know, Pac-12 and Big Ten, that aren't having the opportunity to play. So with the depth, I think that um, the next man up, that's the mentality that they have to have. Um, the best example of this that we see um, has been over the last 20 seasons is with the Patriots. You know, the next man up, they would lose a big-name guy. The next man up is the guy that fills in, and they keep running smooth. So I think that UTEP has the ability to, to, to have that as well. There's a lot of young, young players uh, on the team that um, have already made an impact, um, and I think they have that to build on. A lot of fans were upset, I guess, or a little frustrated, I should say, about uh, having a change of pace quarterback in Calvin Brownholtz, who was thrown in uh, to replace Gavin Hardison at times, where he would just run in different Wildcat sets and packages. What is your philosophy on the Miners having that change of pace quarterback? Do you think that's something that they should uh, still try to experiment with and try to build upon? Or do you think maybe go with that Wildcat running back like they showed with Deion Hankins, who scored that touchdown in, late in the game? Um, I think there's different situations that could call for either or. Um, I think down, whether if it's a short game, you know, third and one, third and two, or even down on the goal line, I think it would be very easy to have Hankins take the direct snap and, and, and do the wildcat. But there's other situations, you know, out in the middle of the field. I didn't necessarily agree with the first play when um, Brown Holtz came in. Um, you know, he ended up fumbling the ball, but I, I just feel like that threw off the momentum of the drive. Even when I played, we had packages for um, my first year was Lauren Sam to come in and do the gun run type stuff as the quarterback. And then um, once he graduated, it was James Thomas. So I feel like in every offensive um, scheme, there is another athlete at quarterback that can come in and still run the full, um, the full package of offense. And then in other situations, have your wildcat situation. So I don't know that. Um, what we saw on Saturday and the the plays that were called in those situations are going to be something that's consistent. I think it was opportunity to to try them out um, against um, lesser competition. Um, I don't know that we we possibly will see that against Texas, but uh, I guess that's destined to be seen. So um, I I wouldn't count it out, but I don't know that um, it was the best opportunity for them at the time when they tried using him you played the Longhorns twice during your career at UTEP your sophomore year and your junior year first in El Paso and then in Austin Um, what can you tell us about what that was like for you going up against the Horns um it was it was actually really huge Um, growing up in Texas high school football you know that that's what Texas bleeds is high school football and um, I would have loved to have an opportunity to go play in Austin. And uh, that's my, that was my favorite team growing up, just being from Texas and um, always representing the Texas Longhorns. And so it was like a, a rival to me personally, um, you know, that I wasn't really highly recruited out of high school. So that was my opportunity to try and prove that 
I could have been a potential player for their program as well. And um, I think that the excitement behind it, I, I mean, if you guys remember, the, the Sun Bowl was rocking when they came out here to El Paso. That was one of the most incredible games I was ever a part of. And um, it, was, it was a very special moment. You know, it, I feel like the hype of the game definitely builds up players. And um, the one thing that, that the team needs to understand is that whether you're playing against Stephen F. Austin or you're playing against the Texas Longhorns, every player on the other side of the ball still dresses up the same as you. You, you know, put your socks on, put your cleats on, put your pads on, and let's go play. And so there's no intimidation factor. It's just go out, execute your plays, and, and uh, play the way that you know how. And uh, at the end, the ball's going to fall the way that it does. So, I like that. Did Mike Price ever try to give you any special rallying speech before that first Texas game? No. Uh, actually, no. I, I, I was always a pretty calm guy after we got off of the field from pregame. Um, I, I kind of settled myself down before we came out. But I, I can tell you <laughs> there was other guys when we were in Austin that needed a little boost and a pick-me-up. Uh, their, their eyes were like a deer in headlights before we were running out onto the field. And um, I, think, I think it'll be a little bit different considering when we played them there, if there was 105,000 people. I, obviously, there's not going to be that many with the, the COVID restrictions, but it'll still be a good experience, and I think the guys will really enjoy it. And um, going and playing at a big program like that, there's going to be the energy there for the guys to, to go out and play hard. So I'll be excited for them this Saturday. Trevor, terrific visiting with you. We enjoyed it. And uh, if you do end up going on Twitter, uh, make sure you give us a heads up so we can promote it for you, all right? <laughs> all right. Well, hey, make sure if there's anyone out there that does make a fake Trevor Vitito Twitter, y'all better have some good things going out there, that's for sure. <laughs> Steve, Adrian, <laughs> I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, this was exciting. This was fun. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon. Take care of yourself, and thanks again. All right, guys. Trevor Vitito over to Stephanie Valle and ABC 7 News. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. More in a moment. Adam Teicher, 15 minutes away, talking Chiefs football here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Love that and uh, looking forward to uh, getting uh, Coach Lopez uh, back with us on the show as he joins us live right now at 27 past the hour. So I I know you love Christmas because you get to unwrap the gifts by the tree and see the kids get excited, and, and that's, uh, that's nice. But as crazy as this sounds, probably feels like a Christmas in September, finally getting your team back on the field and having an opportunity to practice again. Yeah, no doubt. So first of all, thanks for having me on. Uh, but I, I will say, in true 2020 fashion, our first, our first workout was rained out here by lightning and was cut short by about probably about a, a good uh, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. So... I shouldn't have expected anything different with 2020. But um, other than that, you know, for us, it was a, an exciting day. About a month or two ago, we, we didn't even re- really think, if I'm just being honest with you, I didn't think we'd even get to this point. But to be able to get back on campus, get the kids back, and um, actually begin our true preparations for a season opener here in less than a month, uh, you know, we just can't be more excited. I believe it. And as far as the rain goes, all I can tell you is I would have traded you uh, the lightning and rain on your side of town for my side any day of the week. I pray for rain because I don't see it enough, and I, and I, and I love it when it comes down. So, uh, Julio, maybe we can have that stuff a blow over here to the west side for us. Well, I love the rain, too. My grass certainly loves rain, too. But I think for yes. me, the, as any football coach would tell you, lightning – is the enemy. So if it was rain, we would have still been out there and we would have enjoyed it and hooped and hollered in it. But lightning forces us 
forces us off the field. So that's kind of enemy number one there. Did you at least get about an hour in before everything was rained out or lightning? Yeah, we got about an an hour 20 in. So it was a great hour 20. Um, The check-in process went great. Uh, Our our district allowed us to have media out there. So it was fun to get the media back out there. And the kids were excited to see that all the media members out there. And, uh, you know, for us, kind of like you said, it it was like Christmas morning, um, you know, officially kicking off our year and, uh, this Sunday will be our first official practice, so we will have some normalcy as far as having our midnight madness Sunday slash Monday morning um, at midnight, and and you know hopefully we're back in full swing for the next three months. So if Sunday is going to be your first official practice, are these kind of like the unofficial workouts you're having right now? Yeah. So basically, this week, uh, Tuesday, well today through Friday, you're still under summer strength and conditioning guidelines. However, I mean really. Under summer strength and conditioning guidelines, you're, we're allowed the two hours of sports-specific uh, drills. So we're allowed the 60 minutes within the class period plus an additional 60. So, I mean, you saw like today, if you were there, you saw the, the you saw footballs being thrown around. You saw us in a lot of individual and technique work. It's not like we were out there, you know, just sprinting and conditioning. Um, but just the way the UIL kind of worded it and with our county health order, we weren't allowed to put the helmets on just yet. Well, look, it's been such a strange year, and, and, and especially with high school football. It's been on again, off again, on again, off again, and we've seen uh, parts of Texas start playing right now. We've seen the UIL tell uh, the high schools that you have to start uh, following the regulations better or there won't be a high school football season. Right. And I know that uh, for El Paso, um, let's put it this way. Better late than never is the best way I would put it right now because all of these, especially the seniors, they deserve an opportunity to get out there and play. Uh, for some, it'll be the last time. For others, it's going to be an opportunity to showcase themselves to continue to play and play college football after this. Oh, yeah, no doubt. You know, um, any, any season, especially for an El Paso kid, any season is crucial to getting noticed and getting the film out there. So, uh, you know, we're really not that late in town. Uh, the UIL uh, yesterday was, was the first day of practice for pretty much everybody in the state, 4, 4A and 5A. I think we're starting our season just one week after pretty much everybody else in 5A and 6A. I'm sorry, 5A and 6A, um, just because of our, our county health order that, that didn't allow us to do any strength and conditioning. But you're right. I mean, better late than ever. And I'll tell you what. Um, pretty wild to say that you know Ohio State and Michigan and the Big Ten um, can't prepare for a game just yet, but we can. So I, I, I let our kids know that, and um, you know just kind of gave them the message to just you know be grateful for having the chance to get back on the field and don't take a day for granted. And you know, like I said, uh, um, I think it's it's going to be a lot of luck involved as well. As far as your all of our seasons, we we need to make sure we keep the numbers down. We need yep. to make sure within our groups we try to limit exposure as much as we can and, and obviously hopefully have a little bit of luck in not getting a positive test because, you know, one, we don't want that for the kids, but two, that'll also shut down our season for at least a little bit. So, you know, we're just excited to get back out and, and the kids had a great time. Um, hour and 20 and all, we had a great time out there. Adrian Julio Lopez, head coach Eastwood High, joining us on Sports Talk, a man that could easily be hosting this radio show if he was not interested in coaching football and teaching young men. By the way, um, that story that you just heard from Adrian on Von Miller, it's a, it's a harsh reminder that in football, like all sports, everybody's so worried about getting hurt in games, but you can absolutely have these kind of freak injuries that could ruin a season in practice. I'll tell you the yeah the the injuries are one of the heartbreaking things, especially 
you know, for, for our seniors, I, I've seen it over five years. Um, you know, we had one, one year a kid had worked his way through three years and stayed in the program and became a, you know, a senior on varsity. And that was his reward, obviously, for sticking around and doing things the right way and, and tore a ligament in his leg. The very first full padded practice we have and ended his year. And just those types of injuries that you hear, it's just uh, harsh reminders of the tough part of the game and the fact that, um, you know, the, the message we preach to our kids is you don't take any day for granted because the reality is it, it could be taken from you in a heartbeat. So, yeah, it's an unfortunate part of the game. Adrian, I know you've got some questions for Coach Lopez. Why don't you fire away? Hey, Coach, even on the same lines with COVID-19 looming around, uh, depth is so important this season for high school sports. I mean, how, how do you kind of evaluate that moving forward with varsity action, JV, and even freshmen? Maybe you have to do some call-ups at, at some point uh, this season. Uh, hopefully not with COVID-19, but you never know with, with, the, with any kind of outbreaks or what could happen within the locker room. Yeah, definitely. So, actually, first thing, Adrian, you broke my heart there with the Yankee score because I don't know what the heck's going on with my Yankees. So, I, I didn't get another reminder that my Yankees are losing another game. But um, yeah, overall, you know, when you look at when you look at deaths, especially at the high school level, you know, you see it every year. One or two key injuries can really hurt a season and really set you back. And now you not only are dealing with the injury bug that's always prevalent in our sport, but you're you're dealing with COVID nineteen that. At any moment, one of your kids can be exposed and have a direct exposure and have to quarantine. They could get it themselves. They can have symptoms where it's treated like COVID until it's proven otherwise. And you're right. Death is going to be crucial across the board. And in a, in a normal year, we would probably never, you know, it would take somebody really special to be, to be moved up as a freshman or even a sophomore within our program. But, you know, in a year like this, I, uh, I would not be shocked at all uh, across the city and the state to see a lot more young kids, uh, sophomores and possibly even freshmen that just might have to get called up um, just because out of necessity. Coach, when we're talking about things like prospects, recruiting, all that kind of stuff, I remember we had you on the program previously where you talked about how crucial it is for some of these athletes to get exposure on film and, and things like that. How do you ca- kind of get them ready and prepared for the upcoming season when uh, there's so much weighing on this year? You, you know, you compare Texas prospects specifically to other states that aren't allowing high school sports. These prospects are going to be viewed, looked at more than others just because they'll actually have film on themselves this fall yeah no doubt and that was one thing we've been preaching over the last couple months is it was a great time for especially our our upperclassmen our seniors who have film already down to be able to just take a break and and really evaluate what they want to do in the next stages of their career hopefully having the chance to play college football Um, we encourage themselves that or we encourage them that they themselves have to market themselves as much as possible through avenues like twitter social media they got to get their name out there as much as possible because that's really part of the game right now. Is If you really look at it, there's probably close to 1,000 colleges that offer football, from junior college to all the way up to D3, you know, D3, NAIA. And so if you really want to play football, I really believe that there is a spot somewhere for you. If, if you have film down and you're a good player, the key is finding those colleges. And, and what we try to encourage our kids to do and what we try to help them to do, um, obviously as a staff, is – Try to reach out to every level of football, every college they can. Use Twitter to their advantage. Post highlights and just get their name out there and market themselves as much as possible. But, yeah, with, with us being able to play football and maybe other states 
like New Mexico next to us waiting to the spring, it definitely creates a little bit of, a, of an advantage of colleges being able to evaluate senior film and maybe getting them some offers before some of these other states that, that delayed their athletes. So uh, our kids got to use that to their advantage and be updating, obviously, their highlight films and getting their name out there, and we'll do everything we can to help them with that. As a coach, uh, how do you, you know, you see the past couple weeks where there are actually uh, games being uh, held in in different stadiums across Texas, and you're starting to feel a a lot of momentum, especially when you're talking about Class 5A and 6A getting ready to start the season in October. How do you, how did you, what do you think about uh, the first couple weeks of Texas high school football from all the images, all the pictures that have been shown and shared on social media, especially all the reactions that have come from it uh, on on social media as well well first of all kudos to the uil for finally lifting that live streaming ban because i think that's been the most fun part of this whole month is being able to see all these links to different games um i was watching salina the other day i watched monahan's in fredericksburg um the opening night on that thursday and uh it, it's been really fun to see some high schools across the state that you would really just only see highlights of but you're actually the you know, to be able to get out there and actually see the game online and having it, having it streamed and the the commentators, I mean, it's really neat. Um, you know, I think for us, the last month has been exciting just leading up to this day. But uh, you know, in the back of our minds, we, again, it's like you know, we were we were holding out hope we would get here, but we just weren't sure either. And so now that it's here, and now that we hopefully have the momentum kind of kicking us into full gear now, and it seems like numbers are down. I know that. Numbers are kind of hard to read, I feel like, nowadays with some of the numbers we're being given. But overall, it just feels like numbers are down uh, in regards to COVID in the state and in the city. And, you know, hopefully it continues that way. And, you know, we just hope for the sake of our kids and our program. And I feel like we have a really good team as well, um, you know, coming into the year just football-wise. I hope that we're able to, to keep it going and finish out the year without any hiccups. I agree, especially if we can have playoff football in December. I mean, this, you, you, you can never say that until uh, until this year. Well, I told our kids they have the they have the chance of a lifetime to hit the trifecta. So we play Americas on Thanksgiving weekend. We have a chance if you go to the the third round of the playoffs, you have a chance to play on Christmas weekend, and if you go to the fourth round, you play on New Year's weekend. And as a football player, I think that's the ultimate trifecta that everybody is aspiring. If you're not an NFL player, everybody else is aspiring to play on those three dates. So if anybody gets that chance in El Paso, then it's definitely been a special year, and that's something at the forefront of our kids' minds, and that's a goal for us and one that we've talked about openly in the last month leading up to today. I'm sure you've spoken to uh, high school football coaches all around the city as you were getting ready for today and the return to the field. For the most part, uh, is everybody the same in, in, in how they're approaching this season as far as you know what they want to do in the best interest of their kids, the staff, coaching staff, families, and, and everybody just kind of uh, in this one, I'm, I'm assuming, together right now, right? Yeah, there's a lot of great coaches in this city, and I would, I would love to believe, and I believe that all of them, have the safety of their their kids and their staff in the front of their mind and at the forefront with every decision they make. You know, all of us love this sport. All of us love being out there because we know the impact that sports makes on a kid's life and how impactful it can be in turning them into great husbands and great fathers and and great wives and great mothers and no matter what sport you play. So we know that the, the role that sports can play, but, you know, you won't find a coach in this city and hopefully not in this state that doesn't have safety of their kids at the forefront. So everything that you see everybody doing is 
going to kind of be universally the same. Um, you know, maybe a couple twists here and there, uh, you know, a coach's flavor on something that they're doing at their particular campus with check-in or anything like that. But the bottom line is we're all following UIL rules. We're all um, doing what we can to screen these kids, to make sure we're doing our symptom checks, to try to mitigate as much as possible. We're all sanitizing the way we should. And, and again, the ultimate goal is to provide uh, in a weird year, right, in a COVID-19 year, provide uh, as normal of an experience for our kids as possible and hopefully get through all of our seasons and be able to see these kids, um, you know, obviously move on in their lives and look back at this year as something that was weird and unique, but also something that they were able to get through and have fun with. You can follow Julio Lopez on Twitter at EHS Coach Lopez. That is at EHS Coach Lopez. And he's active on Twitter and uh, always appreciate the conversation, the time, especially joining us uh, after you get back on the field uh, for the first time. I, I hope that um, your, your future workouts are not delayed. Hopefully you'll get a chance to play in the rain without lightning tomorrow. And uh, ultimately, happy you guys are back. And, and we appreciate, as always, the time on the show today. No, thanks for having me on. I love getting on with you guys. And, and hey, it doesn't always have to be football, right? We can talk UTEP football and New York Yankees, whatever you want to talk. My, my phone line's always open. Well, you got to be happy with the first uh, W of the season for the Miners and seeing what Deion Hankins was able to do uh, out there on Saturday. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Uh, you know, being able to see a local kid out there and just produce the way that he did. And, uh, you know, and, and honestly, if you look at Hardison and you look at Deion, that's a nice little one-two combo for the next three years. I, I think that, that the future of the program is in good hands with them. they got to stay healthy. Saturday, you know, they might take, might take it on the chin a little bit, but they got to stay healthy, collect that check. That's important, right, especially now, nowadays. And then hopefully get back and be able to build some momentum into a Conference USA that, you know, I think it was wide open. And, um, you know, I, I saw the Miners, I think, at 501 to odds. To win Conference USA, that that might not be such a bad play here um, um, for anybody in Vegas that is looking to bet on an underdog if UTEP can get it rolling. I love it. All right, Julio. Terrific stuff. Thanks again. We'll look forward to having you back on the show soon, all right? Thanks, guys. Julio Lopez, as we continue on Sports Talk. We'll come back. Final countdown next as we wind it up here on this Tuesday.